The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Ling Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoit with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Good Monday morning to you and welcome in to another edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant with you here on this holiday morning for a lot of you, including my wife, who doesn't have to work today. A holiday as it should be. As today we celebrate the birth date of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And obviously as someone from Alabama, he uh, he was a very influential person in, uh, in my home state's history. So very glad that, uh, that we can celebrate his birthday today by some folks not having to go to work. <laughs> And I'm not I'm not happy with you as you can tell I'm here in, on West 7th and <laughs> Oh some of us got to work I guess it is what it is That's okay Got a really good show for you as we get set for a big week in high school sports and lots of games over the weekend Several really uh, intriguing matchups coming up this week. And some big news out of local high schools here. <laughs> coming out at about eight thirty nine o'clock on Friday. <laughs> or whenever it was. Whenever it was. Oh, man. So I think I was leaving a ball game when yeah. I got official word that... Something had taken place. So, yeah, well, I'll get to that in just a second. But um, Chip Walters will join us, as he always does, in the second hour. Because that's what we do on Mondays. What we do on Monday. So that's that's when it happens. Uh, A lot of MTSU um, stuff to talk about because their, their hoops teams are just, let's just say, inconsistent. That's the best way to put it. So we'll ask him about their their weekend games and what they've got coming up this week. Talk some Preds, Braves contract moves. Where are they going to end up? How much are they going to end up paying some of their players? How much have they agreed to pay some players? And, of course, we'll talk the NFL playoffs. I mean, it's Monday. So the NFC and AFC championship games have been set. Some coaches have been hired. 
talk about that. Some haven't. Some haven't been hired. I saw a, saw a post last night that said, "How much? How much more is a uh, Bienemy's price tag going up?" I'm like, "Up? <laughs> really?" <laughs> but then again, I saw I saw the article where he's apparently being really picky, and I can't blame him. So, I can't blame him either. But if that's the case, then. I'd, I'd like to hear him say that maybe. I, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a odd situation all the way around. I, I just want somebody to tell me what constitutes a bad interview. <laughs> I mean, we know people I mean, who interview well. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you come in with your pants sagging? I mean, are, are, <laughs> pants on the ground? Yeah. Pants on the ground. Looking like a fool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just wish somebody could tell me what a bad interview is because that seems to be the thing now doesn't well, interview well I, the, let's let's hold that yeah. to segment six because and we will i don't want to work up a good mad in the first segment well, of a we're two fixing, hour show. well we're fixing to get mad well because uh, okay. we're going to keep talking about coaching changes but it's not going to be the nfl <laughs> Because as we broke a story over the weekend, I say I guess we broke it, that technically Columbia Central's Facebook broke it, or Twitter won. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> it was announced, I guess, on social media channels that Columbia Central softball had an interim coach, Hannah Thomason Cole, which... I guess to but have, nobody knew they to, needed an interim ex- coach. Exactly. To to have an interim coach, you have to have a former coach as well. And at that time, few of us knew that Shelby Birchwell Teachkins had resigned as softball coach at Columbia Central after basically three games. Hmm, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> so, Not basically. It was precisely. Yeah, exactly. Three, <laughs> three games. Yeah, because of the pandemic shortened season last year after she took over the program in the summer of 19, uh, 2019 and again um, there is a story outlining a lot of this on the website at sm-tnsports.com but um, yeah um, life comes at you fast one minute you've got a softball coach and the next minute you're looking for an interim softball coach yeah and I'm, I'm sure that process was Stressful for not just administration, but for Hannah, who I'm sure she had no intentions of being the interim softball coach, you know, five days ago. No. So. I mean, when I spoke with her, she said, you know, I've never been a head coach before. I've been an assistant, never been a head coach. I'm excited for the challenge. Um, Hate it for the girls. Going to do the best we can, you know. The things you would expect, you know, to be said. Yeah, I mean, it, it. She probably hasn't, you know, thought about how 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 do you be a head coach? You know, there there are certain things that you do as a head coach that uh, you know you didn't have to do as an assistant, and not having someone who's been in those shoes uh, to help you could be a problem i would think the biggest thing in making that transition particularly in the same program is 
There's always that good cop, bad cop dynamic. Sure. With, and has she been the good cop to this point? Mm-hmm. And, and I w- in all likelihood, I would say she has been the good cop. And so how do you suddenly become switch. the bad cop head coach? Yeah, I can I can definitely see that being an issue. I mean, they're one of many. And I guess one positive that she has is that, you know, she can lean on her athletics director to help her with some of the administrative duties of a head coach such as, you know, scheduling and that sort of thing. Well, considering preseason practice begins February 15th, I'd say schedule's made. Yeah, but uh, not you say that now. Well, I'm, the schedule is made. Sure, but I'm saying like for the for things like COVID, I mean, mm. there will be some things that oh yeah that she will have not dealt with that she will now have to deal with, and having Kevin Creech in the building is going to be a a help of some sort to her, um, because he has dealt with other head coaches and. He's, you know, he'll have those contacts, and hopefully they'll they'll be able to have a 2021 season that's that that goes smoothly as far as scheduling goes. Now the rest of it, I don't know, you know, we'll see. We will um, see. Um, you know, it's tough because um, there was a lot of buzz around that program. You know, to have gone 0 and 3 last year in in limited play. You know, everybody felt good about the direction that that program was trending in. A lot of young talent over there with the pitcher Sam Stubblefield and um, Tashia Lyles, who had moved from shortstop to center field last year but can play anywhere. Um, a lot of young kids coming out with Orn and E.A. Cox. Um, you know, just really excited about that program and the direction it was trending in. And Understandably so, when you've got somebody with the resume that Shelby Virtual Teetkins has, you know, five-year starter at Columbia Academy, four-year All-State selection, plays at the SEC level at the University of Tennessee, two Women's College World Series appearances as a member of the Lady Vols. Those folks ain't just walking around the streets of Columbia. No, they're not. And, you know, as capable as, you know, Hannah Thomas and Cole will be. Um, she's not that. She's not that. And here's the quote that I want to talk about real quick. I know that we, we have – we could talk about this for 30 minutes. Easily. But, you know – the quote that that she says, I just think it would probably be best if I just kept my mouth shut. I don't have to be involved with it anymore. It won't affect me, the things I say, but it will affect others. That's what I'm trying to steer clear of is not making it harder on anybody else. You know, it's obvious that you don't just quit your job three weeks before the season starts. Not, and then, not, when, you, not when you are as passionate about the sport in general and about the job in particular as she was. And to say that it would be best if I kept my mouth shut, it's obvious this did not end amicably. 
it's obvious that it did end amicably. It's obvious there are things that aren't we don't said. know. Yeah. And you know, you hear rumors. Well, having done this as long as I have, there are always things that we don't know. Or there are always things that we can't say. Or there are rumors, you know, and you hear rumors from every side because everybody's trying to get their spin on it. Mm -hmm. Except Shelby Burchell Teakins. She's not trying to get her spin on it. She, She doesn't need to, doesn't want to. Doesn't care to. Doesn't care to. I mean, and and I think you have to be careful with that because not that she doesn't care. It's just that she's not going to get into that. I'm done. And doesn't need to. I'm done. At all. You know, so um, whatever rumors are out there, whatever's being said, she's fine with it. Yeah. And that's that's her call. That's, that's great because I don't think – I don't think – Shelby Birchell Teagans needs to worry about what other people are saying. Her resume speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. And, and if she wants to coach again, mm. she can. <laughs> and it won't matter what anybody says about what happened at Columbia Central. Whether that be tomorrow or two years from now. Whenever she wants to get on somebody's diamond, she can. And I, I mean, I feel like this is starting to to get a little murky in Columbia Central. You know, there there are rumors flying everywhere across this city as far as, you know, coaches and hiring and firing and uh, just everything is in a situation where you've got to slow down and get things right get your house in order and let's figure it out because we you know when you when you walk around this town when you 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 sit at at puckets and you sit in the corner and you listen to some of the things you hear it's it it can get it can get wild i mean this is a small town and when you step away from this town and you go to other places you know Columbia Central High School Athletics is held in too high an esteem to have the disarray. Yes. That's there. Absolutely. So they've got to get their house in order, uh, and, and this is not the way to start that. <laughs> Not with a softball coach stepping down less than a month before um, preseason practice starts. Yeah. So, again, Shelby Burchell-Teatgen's out as a Columbia Central softball coach. Hannah Thomason-Cole will take over in an interim basis for 2021. There is a full story and full coverage on the website at sm-tnsports.com. When we come back, we will talk. Um, we'll give you the rundown on the straight up out of the top of segment two, and then we'll tell you about uh, some of the games that we went to over Friday and Saturday. We'll talk about good things out of Columbia Central. There you go. Very good things right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 
Stay with us through the show. we got a great show for you. We appreciate you t- tuning in on MLK Day. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn Joint. Stay tuned. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Here's Mo and Chris. Welcome back in the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are talking high school sports and more here on our daily show, 9 to 11, right here on WKOM 1017 FM. If you missed any part of the show, you can catch it on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, searching SM-TN Sports Today. Follow us on Twitter at SM underscore TN Sports instagram as well and of course you can find us on facebook uh, just searching southern middle tennessee sports right now first thing we need to do before we get into anything else is give you the rundown this is the rundown in girls action on friday night brentwood defeated independent 77 29 it was Cullioka 41 mount pleasant 25 spring hill girls 58 franklin 50 Richland girls defeated Hampshire 66-47. Columbia Central with a 58-46 win over Lawrence County. It was Summertown 90, Frank Hughes 23, and Summit defeated Dixon County 66-44. In boys' action, Independence got a 68-64 win over Brentwood. Kalioka a 55-44 winner over Mount Pleasant. Franklin 69, Spring Hill 33. Columbia Central got an 81-63 win over Lawrence County. Summertown 65, Frank Hughes 23. It was Summit 70, Dixon County 48, and Columbia Academy a 64-51 winner over Zion Christian. Saturday, in girls' action, Hampshire defeated Wayne County 43-40. It was Westmoreland 40, Summit 33, Columbia Central 52, Spring Hill 41. And in boys' action, Summertown got a win over Mount Pleasant, 66-47, and Columbia Central, 58, Spring Hill, 33. Today's short schedule has Columbia Academy's boys playing at Providence Christian and Lincoln County girls travel to Columbia Central. That is a 5 o'clock tip-off at the Hardy Lloyd Gym. There you have it. That is your Monday rundown on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. 
Let's talk about that Saturday Columbia Central Spring Hill doubleheader because I I fully expected the girls game to be pretty good. I thought Columbia Central's boys had the upper hand or at least the advantage going in. Um, And at halftime of that girls game, it looked like it was going to be a a barn burner. And then Columbia Central came out in the third quarter on fire. This is my fifth basketball season down here. These are the best Columbia Central and Spring Hill girls teams I've seen. Um, If you've not seen either of them, do yourselves a favor. I was actually talking to uh, Chris Pointer on Friday night when I went to the Columbia Central Lawrence County game. And I said, you know, that so this, that Columbia Central Spring Hill game is going to be really good tomorrow. I said, in the past, it's been competitive because they've both been so bad. <laughs> but now it's going to be competitive because they're both so good. When you get two bad teams, you can have a competitive ball game. <laughs> it may not be anything that you would want to go back and watch on YouTube, but it can be a, a competitive ball game. This is good basketball. It was. Um I really enjoy watching this Columbia Central. Well, I enjoy watching both those teams because they've got two different styles of play Yeah, for one thing. Um, Spring Hill is so centered around their, their big three of the Stedman sisters, Prairie and, and Sierra. And Sierra, who went over 1,000 points in that 58-50 win up at Franklin Friday. Wow. Uh, at home against Franklin, excuse yeah. me. So um, did not have a great night Friday night. Um Surprisingly enough, because when you look at Columbia Central's roster, there's not a whole lot of size on there. There is quickness, though. And they were able to keep her, you know, out of her happy spots offensively. I think she finished with six points in that ball game. But um, the Stedman sisters and Cole Alderson, they're going to create problems for anybody they play in 11 AAA just because – of that size that they've got now, if you confront them, if you can keep the ball out of the post to start with, then then you got a shot. But particularly Cole Alderson, if she gets it down there on the low block, she's either going to score or get fouled. Now she had some some foul issues in that in that Columbia Central game that kind of kept her out of the game. Also, Central's quickness kind of kept her out of the game. So um, that's how they that's how they counter size getting in passing lanes creating turnover, scoring in transition, that kind of thing. And um, and they do a really good job of it. They do. They do. And um, Josie Parks and Janiah Riley can finish as well as anybody. And um, Riley Ham can keep you honest out there at the arc. And um, so they've got, they've got some pieces. Um, they've won six straight now, Columbia Central has, um, following – these two wins over the weekend, and we're going to talk about the other one here in the next segment, I think. But um, big big win for them. I think Spring Hill had won four of the last five games in this series before Central won um, 52-41 on Saturday. So, again, big game for Josie Parks, big game for um, Janiah Riley. Um, Parks with 16, Riley with 15, and um, – Central twelve and three now going into this Lincoln County game this evening. Columbia's, Which, Columbia's girls are looking really good, you know. And when you when you consider the fact that I think in Joshua Bugs first three seasons they won fifteen games total. 
That's insane. And they've got 12 now. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, when you really think about both of these teams, I mean, the fact that, you know, this is a Spring Hill team who has has won some some big games in 11 AAA, including beating Brentwood, who... At Brentwood. At Brentwood, who beat Loretto over the weekend. So, in girls' basketball, good teams translate no matter what size the school is. Yeah, yeah. And if you are competing with those types of schools, I, this the fact that eleven AAA and eight AAA they, these two th- those two really are intriguing to me because it really feels like both of them are anybody can win on any given night. Mm-hmm. They're just competitive throughout. Spring Hill's undefeated in district play. <laughs> now. They've still not played the meat of their district schedule. They've missed some games with COVID and that kind of thing. But I'll be you interested know, to see undefeated this week. is undefeated. I'll be interested to see this week because, like you said, Cole Alderson and Ellie Colson are going to go head to head, and that's going to be a lot of fun but to watch. You, but you know what? Those two may negate each other. It'll be interesting to see what Summit does with the Stedman sisters. Uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about it on Wednesday mm-hmm. because they play on Wednesday and then again on Friday. On Friday. <laughs> so it's they're they're going to play one of those those division 1 basketball schedules where they get the day off in between and just a long halftime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it was you know I was I was watching you tweet this and 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 I was really interested and then uh saw that you know Columbia Central had 12 unanswered at halftime or coming out of the halftime mm-hmm. and, and I was I thought that was a little interesting. So, again, well done, Coach Joshua Bug, for uh, getting his team to come out of the locker room and uh, on a roll there. So, yeah. on the boys' side, it was a lot less, um, I guess, Dramatic. suspense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 58-33, um, Central beats Spring Hill. Spring Hill's had a tough go of it here in the um, – with the COVID issue. Um, that was just their fifth game, I think, of the year. Um, and they've had guys in and out all season. For uh, Saturday night, they played without Jalen Rucker, um, one of their few seniors who had just scored 16 points in their win, in their loss at Independence. So, um, you know, when you're struggling offensively to start with and then you lose a guy who can score 16, it makes it kind of tough. So, and, and they were just just a bad matchup for Central because we talked about the girls like to get up and down. We know their guys do, and, and they were able to get out and run. And, and with Spring Hill not really having much of a presence on the boards, it was tough for them to get Central slowed down. It was 34-14 at halftime and never really got any closer than that. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was pretty close going into that second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you said, um, I think it was 13-7 in mm-hmm. the first quarter. And, and then, you know, it was just one of those things where Central got hot, the, the momentum hit, and – it's hard to stop. It is, especially at home. I tell you, um, Q Martin sneaked up on some folks late in that ball game. 
and got a rebound at the defensive end, weaves his way down, eludes a couple of guys around the free throw line, and just lifts off and pounds it. You don't see that a lot in high school where a guy will will weave through traffic and then dunk. Typically, it's a breakaway. It's a breakaway. There's nobody around, or maybe there's one guy that you get by at the top of the key or something like that. But no, I mean, he he lifted off in traffic. And and Nick Campbell, after the game, said, wasn't expecting that one. Because they had had drawn up a lob off of a um, baseline inbounds. And um, the lob was a little off, and and they couldn't get that one down. Um, Q couldn't get a hand on it. But this one here. It um, it's a shame that the gym wasn't full for this one. Yeah, because it, it, it would have been crazy. It, it would have erupted. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was a nice one. Um, he finished with nine points. Amari Franklin with fourteen. Um, bunch of folks scored for for Central in this one. Ten different ten different players scored for them. Kayshawn Brashear finished with um, fifteen for Spring Hill and. Just like I said, they're they're having a tough time with 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 the pandemic and with guys in and out. Landon Seacrest dressed for this one, finished with five points. I think I don't think he dressed against um, Independence. wasn't even there, obviously. So I guess he was contact traced out and came back. So see, and that's another big issue for Spring Hill as they go into three district games this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they travel to Dixon County on Tuesday, then they have Summit Wednesday, and then Summit on Friday. Uh, they could really use all they can get against Dixon County, a team that is really young, and uh, Spring Hill would have an opportunity to to compete with. I'm not saying that they they could win the game. I'm just saying that it would be they would probably be happier if Jalen Rucker was on the t- was on the travel team. Well, you know, bigger than that, just the idea of three games in four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, you Friday. Mean all the bodies. Yeah, yeah. So tough run right now for the Raiders. Yes. Um in Columbia Central, like you said, the girls do play tonight. Uh and then Tuesday they go to Shelbyville, which, you know, that's a that's a game that I think a lot of people uh, will be interested to see because, again, any given night. But Shelbyville, boys-wise, has been um, kind of up and down this mm-hmm. year. But they've got some – they've got some you – know, they've played some teams really well. Let's put it that way. Um so lost to Tullahoma by one on Friday. Um, they beat Franklin County by a couple. I think that was in overtime. I'm not sure. And that's a Franklin County team that beat Columbia Central 65-62 earlier this year. So my point is that's a tough game uh, for the for Columbia on Tuesday. And then, again, on Friday, of course, it's Coffee County and, you know, and after Central beat them up here a couple of weeks ago in a boys-only game on on a Saturday, I, I feel like the Raiders are going to be sitting, waiting on this one. I think Michael Williams has probably had this one circled since before they left the gym that night. 
So, I mean, it's going to be a tough week for Columbia's boys and, and girls, but uh, I'm really curious to see how this, uh, the last couple of wins coming off that very tough, heartbreaking loss over at Tullahoma, um, got two wins in a row, got some momentum. You're going into, you know, the rest of your games throughout, you know, the rest of the way, our district mm-hmm. games. This is, I mean, this is it. Time to lock in. This is this is you know second season as they right. say, and and it is really a second season because you want to be as high in that seating as you can be going into district tournament play, especially so. since everything's going to be at higher seeds. Yeah, this the, time around, the home court advantage is going to matter, even though fans may or, not necessarily be in the building. Even if the home court advantage doesn't necessarily mean as much, I think being at home is going just to just not being something. on the bluebird on the way uh-huh. over. Uh-huh. The That's... yellow the yellow dog as they call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D A W G. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I it's a big week for everybody. I mean, especially Columbia Central boys and girls as they uh obviously Friday night the girls game is is huge for, for Bug and his girls, so they could really <laughs> you might have just made a decision with that comment right i mean in reality that's that's what we're talking about here is the potential for columbia central's girls to throw a big old wrench into a lot of folks's mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, cheerios basically <laughs> or or something like that you know. They're throwing wrenches in. It would be like throwing wrenches into Cheerios if Columbia Central's girls went over and beat Coffee County girls in Manchester. It, and, you know, it just historically, mm-hmm. it would be basically like that because yeah. who in the world would have thought, right? Yeah, so absolutely, yeah. Let's talk about. Uh, we'll talk about the their game from Friday night mm-hmm. uh, on the other side of a break, and uh, the game that you went to on Friday. You saw a couple of county schools go Mm -hmm. at it and uh so we'll talk about both of those games and if anybody else wants to talk to us give us a shout 931-381-1017 give us a call shoot us a text let us know who you are and what's on your mind that's right 931-381-1017 talking high school hoops on the other side of the break and we'll get jp's reaction because he got to call the game on southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint stay tuned If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit PatioWest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. 
In the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the beauty of genuine brotherhood and peace is more precious than diamonds or silver or gold. This is Vice Mayor Krista Martin. On behalf of the City of Columbia, Mayor Mulder, and City Council, we recognize Martin Luther King Jr. Day and celebrate the life's work and legacy of one of the most profound civil rights leaders who sought to right the wrongs of injustice to achieve equality, freedom, respect, and love for all. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Welcome back in on this Monday. 14 minutes to the top of the 10 o'clock hour on a beautiful day on West 7th. As we see Bobcat uh, equipment running around, building that 10-foot sidewalk and running lane and bike lane on the other side of us here. As the work continues. As the work continues. Into the winter of 2021. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Um, But it's a beautiful day, man. You can't see a cloud in the sky out there. Don't you wish you could see it, Mo? (laughs) (laughs) Just wrong. Got to get you to leave town again. He can see it in the reflection. reflection. (laughs) At least see the neighbor. Yeah. It is a pretty day, though. I mean, like. I bet if we went outside right now, we wouldn't think it was so pretty. But it's it's nice in here to look at. It's deceptive. <laughs> it's deceptively pretty. pretty. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Is that the same as deceptively fast? Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Faster than it looks. Mm-hmm. Thank but goodness. <laughs> colder than it looks. Mm-hmm. Went outside this morning. I was getting ready to leave, and I look. I looked through the window. I was like, "Oh, good. My windshield's not." frosted over and i went outside and i like i hit the i hit the windshield wiper to wipe off the dew and it, it was move. now it didn't move i was like oh guess it is frozen. i guess i was wrong mm-hmm. yeah so i had to sit there for a minute and let that defrost and that was not fun but you know it is what it is um over uh, on friday night jp you and i got to see a couple interesting ball games again the the girls game was the more competitive of the two um it doesn't seem as though a 20 point game could be competitive but it, it, it the girls game was was not as uh it was not as as it's closer than the score indicated yes that's it closer than the score indicated deceptively competitive it was deceptive. <laughs> nice because the the second half was pretty much a one point ball game, but that second quarter where um, or, or coming out of the locker room, Columbia Central jumps out to an eighteen twelve lead, outscores uh, Lawrence County twenty three to thirteen in the second quarter, and um, that was that was definitely the difference in oh that was the boys game I'm sorry um, let's say the girls game was tied at half oh, never mind that's right the girls game was not only tied at halftime it was tied at the end of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. That's where Columbia Central pulls away uh, 12 points in the fourth quarter, including, I, I want to say, like 
9 of 11 from the free throw line. They were very good from the free throw line in that fourth quarter, which is where it really shined uh, for Joshua Bug and his girls. Uh, first time since January 28, 2014, that Columbia Central had beaten Lawrence County's girls. It's a big win. They were excited, too, and as well they should be. Did JP shed tears? <laughs> I'm not sure. Professional all the way through, Mo. There we go. Yep. Well, uh, so for the girls' game, JP just kind of chilled and watched and enjoyed. I was as, resting the voice. Because uh, <laughs> I felt like I was I was shouting in the voice. It was loud in that gym. So here's the thing. This is weird, right? Okay, so we know that like the the number of people are are being limited. But you would think that there would be somebody outside the gym doors being like, okay, you go here, you go here, you go here, you go here. No. Everyone sat on the side behind the benches. <laughs> there were like 14 people on the home side <laughs> and everyone else on the other. Well, a large majority of those on those on that side were Lawrence County fans. That's where the and, business And that's sit. what, yeah, that, that's what I was wondering. The, I mean, it, are they more strict? At Lawrence County than they are up here. I, I don't know. I'll I'll be going to a game tomorrow night uh, for the first time at Lawrence County, so I'm curious to see how that. Of course, Lawrence County much bigger, easier to spread oh. out. So um, you know they they probably don't have any issues with. But with there were a lot said. of Columbia people there on were. the side too. That's there why were. I was confused. Uh-huh. I was like, why are we not sending Columbia fans? To people sit where they normally sit. Right. So it was just very regardless odd. of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> They just and it was like you said it was loud and there were a lot of uh, let's just say opinionated folks in the crowd as <laughs> I've said on this show that I felt like the officials were getting less um, less yelling from the crowd because you can tell where it's coming from well somebody heard you huh in the event that everyone sits on the same side it doesn't matter. <laughs> and there were plenty of officials in the crowd on Friday night. <laughs> and uh let's just say it it got really annoying um at times especially when misapplication of rules from folks in the stands. That never happens. Oh. Look, if you're going to Hey, they're, they're excited to be there. If you're going to yell at officials, at least know what you're talking about. <laughs> what fun is that though? <laughs> That's true. Come on. That's true. I mean, anyway. If, if if you know the rules, you probably are not going to be yelling. As much, at least. I mean, there are times when the folks on the floor probably aren't as good as they think they are. And uh, mm. <laughs> so there's that. That never happens. Yeah. But it was a, it was a really, uh, really fun ball game to, um, to be at. Good atmosphere. It was it was loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I enjoyed it, especially that girls' game. I mean, it got really intense. Yep. I can tell you this: uh, Kelly Bug said that she was so intense and fired up during the game that her watch app thought she was doing a workout. <laughs> <laughs> so that just goes to show. I mean, and Josh, I, there were a couple times where Coach Bug, I'm talking like he got a workout in. He was fired up. It was pretty cool to watch. So, uh, big win for for the Lady Lions. I had to go back a long way to find out when the last time they had beaten 
Lawrence County. I'm I'm going through records and records and records. I'm like, golly, when when was it? Right. Um, that just makes it more fulfilling, though, when you do finally find it. Yeah, they they warmed down in that fourth quarter. Columbia did. Wore Lawrence County down. Now, um, for transparency, uh, this was the third game of the week for Lawrence County. Hmm. All on the road. Tuesday at Coffee County. Thursday at Shelbyville. And then Friday night at Columbia. That can play a part, for sure. <laughs> Not taking it away from Columbia, but, no. I mean, the, that is a fact. I mean, um, I, I think what we saw basically back at – those are two pretty evenly matched teams. That 12th quarter was a tough one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's, again, the style that Central plays is going to do that. Mm-hmm. And they took advantage of you that, know, as and, they should. Yeah, so – you know, kudos to them for being able Absolutely. to. Absolutely, yeah. I was, I, I was looking at the scorebook after the game, and I said, Josie Parks had 25? When? <laughs> it was just one of those, like, she just, it felt like, you know, she would score and then not score for three or four possessions and score again, then not score for three or four possessions and score again. It was she, it's like she didn't miss. Like water on a rock, huh? She just wears away at you, and the next thing you know, you look up and she's got 25. I was like, and that's what I asked Coach Bug after the game. I was like, she had a quiet 25. Did you know she had 25? And he's like, no. Like, I didn't realize <laughs> that. Yeah, so she and Janai Riley both, um, which – I, I thought Janiah was the leading scorer. Like, just watching the game, I thought she were she would be Columbia Central's leading scorer, and she mm-hmm. was not. So, But the consistency, I, I, I like this, this imagery Bug put out for me. He said, it's like a runner who starts at 5 in the morning, and they end their run at 6. What happens between 5 and 6 isn't very exciting, but the end result is impressive. So I thought, huh, that's interesting. On so many levels. <laughs> it's a weird imagery That's to deep put for basketball. I, right? And I was like, you're right. It's not very interesting. It wasn't exciting. It's not interesting at all. <laughs> but <laughs> but and, it's effective. But it's effective. <sighs> exactly. So yeah. there you go. And then uh, on the boys' side, it was, put it this way, um, the first shot of the game <laughs> from uh, Bubba Perkins went down, and that was it. <laughs> He he knocked it down from the top of the key, and they didn't they didn't trail, and they never trailed, never trailed. <laughs> I talked I talked with Coach Campbell after the game, uh, and asked him if it was the most complete game from start to finish. He said, "Yeah, probably it was." And um, you know they uh, they play well for him when they play Lawrence County. They they I know I can't imagine why they know the history there. Of course, Coach Campbell coached uh, was an assistant under um, Shane Clark the long-standing coach at Lawrence County and Nick played at Lawrence County and um, they they know what that means to Coach Campbell and uh, they rise to the occasion when they play the uh, the other purple and gold <laughs> it, that's that's one that's another thing is it looks like an inter-squad game <laughs> <laughs> they're different shades yeah. though not not on the basketball court. They're not when when Columbia is wearing white, it doesn't look like a different shade. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, though, the free throws for the Lions, something like twenty-one of twenty-six, twenty-two of twenty-six, somewhere like that. Yeah, the complete difference in the ball game. Um, Boys' game. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the the free throw shooting for the Lions was was incredible, and um, 
and, and I think definitely made the difference uh, for them when you look at uh, you know the the point differential. Yeah, kind of. Um, I would. Uh, that being said, I think the early the early lead wasn't necessarily from free throws. It was just no, but what? as a as a collective, but as a game. collective, yeah, you're right. I mean they. Had they not that hit game their, could have been really close if they had missed free throws. Had they not hit their free throws, in and the you stretch. never know where it could have gone. That's right, because in the second half, uh-huh. uh, Lawrence County got hot from behind the arc. They got to within uh, what eleven? Yeah, at one point uh, they got hot. I'm talking like, matter of fact, it was uh, it was Luke Maddox. Yep, hit four threes. Who had four threes in the game, and I and I didn't know how the kid spelled his name at the time. It was M A T T O X. But I, I turned to Lou Maddox, who was calling the game with JPS. Is that your D. cousin? Yeah. Yeah. I said, Is uh-huh. that your cousin? He yeah. goes, Not that I know of. <laughs> then after the game, I found out they spell their name different. <laughs> What's funny about Central going 22 of 26 from the line against Lawrence County is that they were 11 of 21 the next night. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's all about having the hot hand. And Columbia Central was shooting the ball really well on Friday. <laughs> But they hit seven threes, eight, eight, and again, again a, a, five of which a, ment- a mental focus, you know. And again, Lawrence County boys coming off their third game of the week as well, I which assume. they had um, uh, they had beaten Shelbyville and Coffee County, I think. Yeah, they had won their two previous games. No, Lawrence County hit ten threes. Yeah, La- yeah. I told you the so, second half they got hot. Mm-hmm. Had they hit? Had they hit about half those in the first half? And it changes the dynamic of the game. They're not down by 15, 18 points. Then, you know, it may have changed the dynamic. But instead, they were down, um, let's see, 10, 16. They were down 16 at the half, and that was pretty much it. It was Columbia kind of cruised in the second half. Uh, JP's playing us out, but I'll tell you what's making a big difference for Columbia Central right now, and the, the scoring numbers don't show it. But Carter Sidlowski and Demetrius McCoy Meach giving them some minutes inside, some effective minutes, and it's allowing some other folks to not have to go to the boards and concentrate on some other things, as Nick Campbell said. Yes, those those two are huge for this team, and they they will need them throughout the rest of this district schedule that we just talked about earlier. So, all right, um, we completely just didn't talk about Leoka <laughs> Mount Pleasant. Sorry about that. We just uh, so we will get to them. We will get to them later this show. Um, on the other side of the break, though, we will talk to Chip Walters. He talks about MTSU, the voice of the Blue Raiders, right after this on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho quick walk in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. 
Welcome back in to this Monday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. As you heard, Chris Yao here, along with Mopat and J.P. Plant. Five minutes past the 10 o'clock hour as we get ready to talk about some Blue Raider sports as we do every Monday morning at this time. We appreciate the time and the insight brought to us each week by Chip Walters. And we have a have a lot to talk about because we haven't mentioned this yet, but the MTSU women have a pretty special uh, player and currently number two in the country in scoring. So... Really curious to talk about that, but let's do that with Chip Walters as we bring him in, brought to you by the laws of Blake Kelly, specializing in accident and injury law across the mid-state. Give him a call, 615-305-4539, or find his Facebook or Instagram pages. Chip, welcome in. Morning, fellas. How are y'all? Doing well here. That was a a nice sound. That was a nice sound. (laughs) What a... What are you what are you doing differently? Anything? Uh well JP and I conspired and uh using a little uh product called Clean Feed and uh and uh Hush your mouth, so, Chip. Don't give our secrets away. I can yeah. t- I can tell you he sounds like he's right here next to us in the studio. Joining us in the studio this morning is Chip. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never know the difference. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Hey Chip, um interesting weekend, obviously. Um as as Chris was saying about the the Lady Raiders and their ace scorer split a couple of games against Southern Miss this past weekend. They did, um, and uh, you know you, you mentioned Anastasia Hayes right now. She does lead the nation in scoring. She's number two uh, behind Chelsea. Oh, she's number two. behind okay. Chelsea Perry of UT Martin. Oh goodness! Appa- wow. Apparently, her twenty four <laughs> points on Sunday made her average go down too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> when you're scoring 24 and your average is going down, you know you're having a pretty good year. So, um, yeah, right now she's at uh, 27.9 per game, and she's second. Uh, yeah, she's number two in the nation. And uh, uh, thanks for the update, Chris. And, Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I just but, want accuracy, know, man. Just wanted to show you some. <laughs> you know, she it, it's she's really, and I think what is the uh, what her. Um, she has a streak going right now of, and I can't tell you exactly how many games, but where she has scored at least twenty five, and so uh, that ended on know, Sunday, <laughs> okay, or Saturday. Yeah, they played. They played Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, and uh, but uh, you know she she's had uh, a huge year, and and Middle had won six in a row uh, until uh, Saturday, and. You know, one thing we're continuing to see on both the men's and women's side this year with the back-to-back games in conference uh, is is how the complexion and the and the personality of these games are so different from one day to the next. And uh, like for instance, on the men's side, uh, and, and we'll get a little deeper. There were on on Friday night there were two games that were 30 point games and another that were that was a uh, 25 point game on Saturday 
one of those that was a 30-point game on Friday was uh, same team won, but only by five. Another one, uh, same deal, was 30, came back to five. And then the 25-point loss turned around to a 15-point win. So that was a 40-point turnaround. That was Charlotte and uh, uh, whoever they played this weekend. Oh, UAB. Yeah, and uh, yeah, UAB won on Friday night by like 35 or something and uh, came back – or 25, and then uh, Charlotte came back on, on Saturday and won by, by 15. Then you had uh, an FAU-FIU deal where they act, they're, they're travel partners, so it was not in the same location. But FIU wins – or FAU wins a close game on Friday night, and then on Saturday they beat FIU by 40. So it, it is really interesting uh, the dynamic of, of uh, how these are – how these – you know, the, from one day to the next, uh, you know, play out. And, and tonight we have our coaches' shows, and and, uh, and I know in ours I'll be talking with Coach McDevitt and, and just kind of, you know, talking about that in particular and about how his team, they didn't play well at all on Friday night, came back and, you know, played played really well and just, and just lost a close road game against a good Southern Mississippi team. Middle falls to three and seven with those two losses at Southern mm-hmm. Miss, Chip. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what the conference record is, but they're averaging 61, just over 61 points a game. I mean, are, are there concerns about this team offensively at this point? Well, yeah. And that's one thing that, that, you know, coaches has talked about outside of, outside of the Friday night game, middle has been very very good defensively as a matter of fact they went they were number going into friday night they were number two in the nation uh in three-point field goal defense and but their struggles have been on offense and and you know i i I don't there's there's no excuses but you can look at reasons and point to factors of how how can how do some of those things happen and uh, and and i think the biggest thing we're seeing uh still are uh effects from covid from for a lot of teams uh middle tent middle was without Dontrell Schuler this weekend he was he comes out I guess I think maybe came out of quarantine yesterday or today but he should be available for western Kentucky but he he right now is middle's best um you know uh make your own shot kind of guy and you know, uh, so he was not there, and 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 Jace Johnson, who has been one of the first couple of guys off the bench, he was uh, unable to play. He was out of quarantine, but not out of the uh, the period that you have to have to the acclimation period, I guess is what they call it. So they were they were without those two guys, uh, and 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 that that has, I think. Game to game and week to week of who you've got and who you don't have has has had an effect on offensive efficiency and so much of that and so much of what Coach McDevitt's offense is about, you know, is is uh, is, is 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 timing, uh, is is being fluid and, and 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 being you know good playing with each other. Defense, you know, they have put a lot of emphasis on that because they were they were one of the worst in the country. 
uh, in three-point field goal defense a year ago, and they have gotten a ton better, and they've brought down points allowed by about 10 a game from from a year ago. So the, the offense has struggled. The defense has been good uh, for the most part, but uh, it, it, it's concerning, uh, and, and, and you're still just trying to find more and more uh, you know, consistency. Like, for instance, Friday night, you got two points out of two post players. And Saturday, you come back and you, you, get, a, you get 20 out of those two guys, and you're right there. So uh, it, it's, it's, you know, coming up and kind of having a, an idea of what you're going to have game to game from an offensive output, that's, you know, for the coaches, that's even a head scratcher. Yeah, you know, we've talked about these back-to-back games, and we talked about it earlier, and we thought that it would be the opposite. We thought that because there wouldn't be as much time to to make adjustments that uh, these – teams that won the first game would have an advantage in the second game but that's not been the case which is kind of odd but i want to talk about some of these transfers that we you know before the season we there were a lot of there's a lot of talk about some of these men transferring in um, one that i was really excited about was elias king and he has been less than stellar this year <laughs> To put it mildly, <laughs> I understand. You know, he he had uh, he had a, had a little bright spot the other night and and hit a couple of threes, but you know, here's a guy who played 18 minutes all of last season at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. uh, and came back and as of prior to Friday night had played 24 minutes at Middle, and he he has just not been able to, you know crack into the lineup to give himself more opportunities uh you know the, the way to do that is to play defense rebound and when you get an opportunity make a shot and he had oh gosh what was he won for his first 11 or 12 for the season and i mean you've got to give the coaching staff a reason to trust you and mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and that is, you know, by number one, doing it in practice, first of all, get you in the game. And then once you're in the game, you know, find a, find a way to, to, to make a, make a mark there. Right now, looking at Elias, he is, uh, four for 19 on the season, 21%. And that is, you know, was supposed to be his calling card. So, you know, waiting for him, he, he seems to be, the light seems to be going on a little bit. And, uh, and and hope that comes around. And I'm not sure if I, if I've missed this, but what happened with uh, Dontrell? Dontrell he uh, Dontrell was, uh, is COVID. He was he's been out. He 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 was he tested positive just before last weekend's series. So that knock that ended up knocking him out for uh, for the FIU series and. Uh, for this series uh, this past weekend against Southern Miss. He should be back for Western Kentucky, and also that will put him good for the rest of the year. That's huge because Don Trell, oh, yeah. I mean, he, he was the leading scorer going into conference play. It still is at 11.7. He's still the leading scorer. Uh, Jordan Davis, uh, right behind him, is the other guy who can create a shot, and uh, and he had a, he had a, a super tough night 
uh, on Friday night just to get to, uh, with shots going down. Middle got a ton of good looks that just didn't go down on Friday night. But you're right, Dontrell being back in there, he he gives a level of energy and an ability uh, to keep you out of keep you out of some offensive droughts. Uh, Middle had about a five minute drought late in the first half. Uh, Friday night that saw the game go from 4 to 14 uh, between the last media timeout and, and halftime. You know, and Dontrell's that kind of guy who can put the ball in his hands and, and, and go, 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 you know, make a basket, find a way to make a basket and, and, you know, stop a run, that kind of thing. And, and he's also pretty good on ball defender as well and uh, has, you know, really good lateral movement and speed. So it'll be uh, welcoming to have him back. We're speaking with Chip Walters. He is, um, presented by the law offices of blake kelly who specializes in accident and injury law you can reach him on facebook you can reach him on instagram or you can give him a call at 615-305-4539 chip you mentioned um fiu and fau and that they are travel partners um i would have thought that middle and western were travel partners but that's the next series and both those middle men's games UAB will be in travel. Middle and UAB. Yeah, middle and UAB are travel partners. Western and Marshall are travel partners. That makes Charlotte, all sorts of sense. Yeah, Charlotte and Old Dominion are travel partners. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, it would. I, I would prefer it to be, you know, Western. But UAB is. I mean, UAB is a good travel partner too. And uh, you know, it, it the, when you. Uh, in a normal year where you were going and you would play, say, a Charlotte on Thursday and an Old Dominion on on uh, Saturday, uh, you know, w- w- you know w- a few years ago, Middle and Western both really good. That was, you know, one kind of actually helped the other mm-hmm. by, you know, because you, you couldn't load up your scout on just one of those teams. You had to – if you whoever you whoever you got on Saturday didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready for you, and uh, and so yeah, so so what uh, the travel partner tra- your travel partner games this year you do play one at each place. So mm-hmm. this coming week, Middle plays Western, and we'll play both in Murfreesboro one Saturday afternoon at four, and Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, uh, and and one of the I think it's Sunday that's on CBS Sports Network. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So we get to watch Rick Stansberry for forty minutes, then, huh? Or eighty? On, or, if you go, if you go, to, if you if you catch both games, if you catch them both, yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's let's not uh, let's not get overboard, guys. I <laughs> hey, got a little football update for you. Ooh. Uh, the uh, I don't know if you had caught this uh, on. I guess it was Friday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Uh, on it was on social media, and obviously the university not able to uh, make any comment yet. But uh, the transfer portal uh, hmm. is cranking up, and it, it's the it's it's quite the little whirly gig right now hmm. across the country. But uh, uh, NC State quarterback Bailey Hockman announced that he is going to be transferring to Middle as a grad transfer, and he started eight games. Uh, no, started nine games. Uh, for NC State, threw for 1,800 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, so he is uh, he will be a welcome addition. And 
and uh, you know, kind of has he's six two two oh five, has has the build uh, to play uh, in in what Coach Stock wants to change the offense to a little more of a pro style air raid, you know, vertical game a little bit more, and uh, so there's that one, and also on the same night, uh, Georgia offensive lineman Notori Johnson, who was a four star recruit out of high school. Uh, has played on both sides of the ball at Georgia in his first couple of years, and uh, he uh, he will be he is an, he announced that he will be transferring to Middle. So those those are kind of starting to leak out and and uh, waiting for you know how that's going to play out uh, come signing day on well right near the first part of February. So for what. Coach Stock still envisions the offense being in the aftermath of um, Tony Franklin and Asher O'Hara departing, not necessarily in that order. Um, does Hockman fit that vision better than O'Hara would have, you feel like, Chip? You know, I think so. Uh, you know, Asher is was was really good in a spread-type situation uh, that uh, allowed him to run. I think they want to, you know – the two running backs that opted out, the one from Florida State and the one from West Virginia, both, from my understanding, both are coming back. So that should shore up your your run game a bit more. And uh, and and they're happy, even though with the loss of Yusuf Ali, they're they they like their receivers that are coming back, and they want to go to that more pro style uh, offense uh, with a a quarterback who's not counted on to run as much, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's one thing coach was quoted as saying it, he would like to reduce production in the run game from the quarterback slot, but, you know, raise it from the running back spot, but also, uh, you know, in, instead of that, you know, 1800 yard passer have the 2,800 yard passer and, uh, and, 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 and play a little more downhill mm-hmm. in the passing game than side to side okay. sounds right. good yep sure we'll see yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And i know we're about to wrap up but uh today is a special day as as you all know and i wanted to bring up a little story here um it being martin luther king day and uh you know i think it's especially important this year with uh a lot of uh what we went through during the summer and are and you know i'm not sure you know we are always uh looking to do better and be better but i think sports a lot of times is where we can look to uh, you know see a more uh, you know where relations are are very good uh because uh i've heard several coaches talk about you want to learn what it's like to you know, have to where the, the, that line is not really there is go into a locker room, whether it's a football locker room, a basketball locker room, whatever. The, the teammates count on each other. But during the years when Kermit was here in in Murfreesboro, you know, we always we do the coaches shows on Monday night, and we always had one that fell on uh, Martin Luther King Day, and, and Kermit would always tell the story about you know a, a major step. Uh, you know, in his family's life came uh, when his dad, 
Kermit Sr. played uh, at Mississippi State. Hmm. And in 1963, the year I was born, the governor of Mississippi, Ross Barnett, told uh, Mississippi State and the basketball team that they could not play in the NCAA tournament. They were ranked in the top five in the country, but they could not play because Loyola of Chicago had uh, had African Americans on their team. Well, uh, Mississippi State's basketball program and the university president took a, ma- a bold step and said, you know, we're going to do the right thing and play the game. And, and, and the president basically told Babe McCarthy and said, you get on the bus, you all make a run for the Tennessee state line and play this game in Memphis. And that's exactly what they did. And, uh, and you know, and, and then when, when Kermit's dad was, was coach at Mississippi State, uh, uh, Kermit Sr. Uh, was the first uh, – he, he had five uh, black starters. And he said, you know, the, the phone calls that came to their house were, you know, unfathomable. But – you know, it really, uh, you know, showed him that, you know, we can be better and we can we can do better and we can do better through sport a lot of times. And and uh, and again, like on a day like today, it's always good to remember that story and and uh, know that while, while we're not where we need to be, we have come a long way. The rest of that story, Chip, is that 1963 Loyola team had two guys from Nashville on it, Les Hunter yes, and Dick Rouse. Exactly both from Pearl High School, and they, um, Loyola won the national championship that year. Yep, exactly. And, and then you talk about Pearl. Uh, while that was a big thing for uh, race relations, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of opened the door a little bit, what was it, two years later, three years later, 1965 or 66? 66. The, the, famous, the famous game at Municipal Auditorium between Pearl and Father Ryan. That was 65. I'm sorry. I thought you were going the following year, 66, when Kentucky and well, Utah Texas played Western, for uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Texas Western, exactly. excuse me, played for yeah, the national that, championship. That, yeah. Exactly. And, that, and that, was, that was a huge statement. The Mississippi State thing kind of goes under the radar when compared to Kentucky and Texas Western. But, you know, in, in this state, you know, the, the, one of the real breakthroughs was, you know, the, the sellout at Municipal mm-hmm. Auditorium with Pearl and, and Ryan. And Ryan, absolutely. And Willie Brown, uh, who, you know, you had who Pearl, which middle. was basically it was an all Pearl was an all black school. Perry Wallace played for Pearl, mm-hmm. and then you had Willie Brown, who played for Ryan, who played at Middle. So that that was uh, you know that one had long standing uh, you know ramifications for a lot of folks. Uh, both schools, Vandy, uh, Middle, and you know the Southeastern Conference and the Ohio Valley Conference. Chip Walters dropping knowledge, as always. Here on 1017. Chip, um, brought to us by the law offices of Blake Kelly, who specializes in accident and injury law. Again, you can find Blake on Facebook. You can find him on Instagram, or you can give him a call at 615-305-4539. Chip, thank you again for joining us, as you do every morning, every Monday morning. Um, really appreciate your time. Appreciate it, boys. Y'all have a good day. Thank you, sir. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about uh, some high school hoops we want to get back into. We missed a game earlier. We want to talk about Cullioca and Mount Pleasant. And then, of course, uh, the Preds played over the weekend. That was a big 
win for uh, Nashville. Some contract moves for the Atlanta Braves and, of course, NFL playoffs. All that and more on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Sports and beyond. It's on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, let's get into some high school hoops real quick before we go any further mm-hmm. and before we forget again. <laughs> Not that we. I don't guess we forgot necessarily. We just got a little carried away. We with did the get a County. little carried away with with Central and and Lawrence County, but over in Mount Pleasant, um, the Tigers. We talked about Spring Hill being a little shorthanded because of COVID and that type thing. Um, the Tigers were without a couple of players Friday night, including sophomore Demarcus Brown, um, in their matchup with Kalioka. I'm not sure if it would have made a difference, but, you know, it, it's just hard to say. But Landon Andrews scored 17 points. Um, Cooper Parks and Tavon Bagsby with big games as well as Kalioka defeated the Tigers 56-44. Um, Kentry Frierson held to 11 in that one. Tip Marlowe with 15 to lead Mount Pleasant. Again, Brown had scored 17 earlier this year against Santa Fe. I think he had about four straight games in double digits, and it was a 12-point loss for the Tigers. So, you know, they just looked a little disjointed. Um, They've been dealing with some COVID issues. They were coming. I'm um, sorry. I got confused. I've that, been there. That was, yeah, that was before. They lost. They lost Saturday night to Summertown as Correct. well. So, so you know these back-to-back games that are being rescheduled because of COVID and that kind of thing. Obviously, the Summertown game didn't impact this one, but you know the the personnel issues. And as Chris Carney said, you know everybody's dealing with it, so it's not an excuse. It just kind of is what it is. But um, Kalioka with a fifty-six forty-four win on the boys' side. The Kalioka girls. 
defeated Mount Pleasant 41-25. Brianna Dixon with 12 for Kalioka. Addison Workman, the freshman, with 12 for Mount Pleasant. So um, after that Summertown game for the boys, uh, Kalioka's girls will play um, at home tomorrow against Santa Fe. Um, Kalioka's girls will play later this week against Hampshire. The boys will be idle all week because both Santa Fe and Hampshire are on pandemic restrictions. Correct. So, tough um, tough week for Kalioka. And I, I guess those games will be made up at some point. But, the, you know, as we get deeper into the season, obviously you're running out of dates to make games up. That's going to be real interesting. Well, again, you don't have to play them. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just got to figure out how to seat them when you do. Um, Richland visits Mount Pleasant tomorrow night. For a team that's struggling offensively. You don't want to see Richland right now. You don't now. want to see Richland. Yeah, so. <laughs> Richland is very good. I'll tell you, the, you know, the Richland score was, was it Thursday when they – maybe they play did they play Perry County? I, I don't remember – who it was, but they only, they they beat they only beat somebody by like five or six points, and I was a little confused. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I was like, "Dad gum, I wonder what happened there." But I think everything is. They, they may have just had somebody out. Perry County's not bad though either. Yeah, they they fell fifty six forty seven to Loretto boys. Um, so on Friday night on Friday, so yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic there with Perry County Loretto and. Summertown. Summertown. It's going to be interesting when these um, when the top ten comes out later this afternoon as well. With yeah, well, Loretta boys and girls both falling this weekend, albeit to AAA Brentwood, but the boys got boat raced. Loretta's boys. Brentwood's pretty good. Brentwood's really good. Yeah. Independence beat Brentwood the night before. <laughs> And and you so, you wonder how much that you wonder how much that independence win over Brentwood on Friday had to do with the boat race on Saturday. We better do something. Our coach is going to kick our tails the next practice. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that may have been one really really intense walk through Saturday morning before they went over to Lebanon for the Sonic Shootout. So yeah, you get to take wrong. it out on somebody else. Oh, man. Speaking of taking something out on somebody, the Nashville Predators on Saturday took out I, – I don't know if it was frustration. I don't know if it was just – it was the the backup goalie for Columbus, which I'm not sure why they played a backup goalie, but they did. Uh, Nashville didn't. Nashville did not play their second goalie. <laughs> and uh, it worked out real well for them. As, uh, Frosty's in the, in the third period by itself. Hey. I will take uh, free frosty. Are they giving? Are they still doing that? Because that'd be great. I, I believe know. they are. I am always here for the frosties. So yeah, five to two, uh, big win for the Nashville Predators in at home at Bridgestone. Like you said, it was uh, it was one to one after the second intermission, and then the Predators said, "Hey, let's uh, let's score some goals." We're so done with this. They did. They scored four <laughs> in the third period. Uh, a really impressive win um nobody had more than one. forsberg scored rocco rocco tied it up in the first and then uh again rocco grimaldi coonan scored again mm-hmm. uh colton sissons and brad richardson which so richardson 
Forsberg and Coonan have scored in each game, right? Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, obviously Coonan and Richardson being part of this team have, have had early the, impacts. They are ingratiating themselves quite quickly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take it. I'll, 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 I'll certainly take it. If they score a goal every game, they're going to be everybody's hero. Yeah. Amen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> on pace to score 56 goals this season are Luke Coonan and Brad Richardson. And Philip Forsberg. Well, we expect more out of him anyway. Yeah. We're going to need 112. Exactly. If all possible. <laughs> Before it's all over with. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, big win for the Predators as they get ready to um, – this week they get to take on the Carolina Hurricanes tonight at seven, and then tomorrow at seven they will definitely be playing. Either, either tonight or tomorrow, you will see Pecorine make his debut this season. I got a feeling. Um, I can't imagine. And then they get to travel to Dallas, and that's not a fun trip. Trust me, I would know. <laughs> well, they're not driving. <laughs> no, they're they're not going to be driving. What's not fun in Dallas? Dude, Getting there. <laughs> do, do you not know the story of our Winter Classic escapade? Uh, Probably I, not. I don't remember the specifics. but uh, Long story yeah. short, uh, Sarah and I left uh, on New Year's Eve uh-huh. for the New Year's Day Winter Classic in Dallas last year. Yeah, We left on New Year's Eve. We got to Dallas at 12.01 a.m. on New Year's Day. Um, slept for seven hours, got up, went to the Winter Classic, left Dallas, and came home on New Year's night. <laughs> it was nuts. Well, that's your fault. It was fun. It was worth every. It was worth. Yeah, I don't every know. Bit of driving. I don't know where you're looking for sympathy because you're not getting any. <laughs> yeah. I got to go to the Winter Classic. Yeah. I don't need sympathy. It had to be a great. It was, it was experience. worth. It was worth all 16 hours of that drive. Yeah, tr- trust me. The the and the ticket in Memphis. That's, that I got. that's Preds kind of, team is is not going to have any issues. That's kind of so. a turn and burn from hell, right mm-hmm. there, isn't it? Hey, and I got a ticket in Memphis. That was fun. I've done a. I did a Braves Cubs uh, baseball game in Chicago at Wrigley all in one day back when I was in college. <sighs> Oh, back when you were in college. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, oh, that's, yeah. that's when you do stupid uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we worked in a um, uh, DiGiorno's Pizza uh, as well, well while we see, were in town. and it was we. How many of y'all? Uh, there were four of us, I think. So you split the driving up. You were all No, young. we flew. Oh. What? Southwest, 39 bucks one way. That's actually not a bad thing. That's probably not. In the midway, you take the L train um into uh all the way to um you know to uh, wrigleyville uh, it was a day game you uh you pre-game uh brunch style in wrigleyville you do the game you uh take uh the train back to uh somewhere around the magnificent mile and you have some uh deep dish pizza you take the train back to midway you fly back we were at home by nine o'clock that's that's the only thing, my JP con- Plant Travel Services. My, <laughs> my concern would be extra innings. Still, though, well, extra innings. You know, that's that's okay. Yeah, I mean, if it's a one o'clock game, who cares? Well, what time is your flight? Our flight was like I don't know six thirty, six forty, something like that. Still, you yeah. could have yeah. yeah, I would have absolutely Se- seven. Actually, it may have been later. Yeah. It may have been like seven thirty. I actually did. Um, it was the last last flight out of Midway to Nashville that night. I did a Cubs White Sox same day 
once. It's pretty cool. So, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna inaugurate this uh, segment as segue. No pun intended. Segue segment because we went from <laughs> blowing people out to the Preds. Now we're gonna go from what you just said to the yeah. Braves as you were talking about the Braves <laughs> Cubs because they mm-hmm. just made a couple of signings as they agreed to terms with A.J. Minter and Max Freed, avoiding arbitration with those two, although they will be in arbitration with Mike Soroka and Dansby Swanson, the lieutenant. Lieutenant Dans. Lieutenant Dans. Yeah. Those numbers should be interesting. They came in pretty close. I mean, they were within $600,000 of each. So I guess all things considered, that's pretty close. (laughs) Right. I mean, when you're talking about the money that they're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Split the difference, call it good. Yeah. Exactly. Split the difference. Why why even go to arbitration with that? Just say, this is where you are, this is where we are. Let's meet in the middle. Well, because the contract says you have to. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised I didn't just play that Marin Morris. Meet me in the middle. Meet me in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) That, That we had to hear all summer two years ago. Yeah, well, it is what it is. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, Braves have uh, secured a couple of pitchers, a a bullpen arm, which AJ Minter in the middle innings this year was, and as a starter, when Post, we, yeah, a three inning starter opener, I guess whatever opener. you want to call her. By George, he was solid. So if we get that AJ Minter next year, I'll be, be well worth the money, well worth it. And of course, Max Freed. Well, we all know he's Max Freed. So lots of. Um, Lots of contract news. I keep seeing good video of Mike Soroka coming off that Achilles. Thank goodness. He's gonna be he's gonna be back a lot quicker than I would have anticipated. I don't know how early. And I certainly don't want him to rush him. Yeah, if it's June, I don't care. Yeah. Quick question before we leave the Braves and uh, go to break. Uh to you two who mm-hmm. follow the Braves as close as anyone. Uh it sounds to me, but I'm curious your thought, are they uh the the organization are they competing and all in on keeping this a uh, a winning franchise based on these contracts i don't know that you can necessarily take anything from these contracts because these were just avoiding arbitration with these contracts basically i, I think um they still could have lost though right i mean this team this organization is is attempting to win okay they're not win at all costs because they would have made some bigger free agent splashes than they have. But but I think the effort is being made. I'm not sure exactly what Alex Anthopoulos has to work with um, I think with Liberty feel, Media. I think they feel like this team is capable of winning a World Series as is, as we've seen, as we saw last year. Uh, if yeah. Mike Soroka isn't hurt, the Braves probably win the NLCS and maybe the World Series. So my point, my my thing though is that may have been as offensively induced as it was pitching, and some of the and, games were yes, but and, some and of them weren't. Okay, so so that offense, where is that offense? Because we don't we, know because we don't have a DH. Well, we don't decision. know if we have a DH. We don't have a decision. And and so if Ozuna's not back, then what? That uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you're willing to bring in your youngsters. Hmm. 
they certainly think that uh, that Austin Riley is the third baseman of the future. He's the guy. They're going with him. They've not tried to sign anybody. They're not going to try to sign anybody. They think Austin Riley is the guy going forward. After this year, if he has a poor year, it may not be the case. But right now, they believe in Austin Riley. Now, as far as left field is concerned, I don't know. We'll see. That being said, I think the front office believes that this team, as is, can win a world championship based on its pitching. So, to answer your question, I think they think they are. (laughs) There you go. What do you think? I think they're capable of winning a World Series. So, you think the organization is doing what they need to do to maintain this? They need a bat. They need one bat. bat. They need one bat. I'd like to see one arm, but they don't necessarily need one if Soroka gets back. So, there you go. I'd like to see a veteran arm at the front of that rotation. Wouldn't we all? Well, I don't know about the front. I think no. Soroka's the ace. No, but, I no, I want I want Soroka uh, at number two. Unless you're talking Trevor Bauer, then yes, <laughs> I, I'm all in on Trevor Bauer. But that's just because I like his attitude. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he would fit perfect in Atlanta right now with our attitude. He would be the pitching answer to Ozuna. Uh, it yeah. would be so great. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, let's take a quick break. On the other side of it, we'll talk NFL playoffs on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back in. Eight minutes to the top of the hour. I just have one question real quick, guys. Are the New Orleans Saints, the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era New Orleans Saints, are they the 1990s Atlanta Braves? Great great teams. How many divisions did they win? I mean, I don't know how many divisions they won. They won one Super Bowl, though. Is that right? One Super Bowl. But they didn't win 13, 14 divisions in a row, so no. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying. They've been in the mix. In the mix, but they didn't win their division that many times in a row. Well, I mean, winning the division isn't necessarily as important in the NFL as it is in MLB either. So. I'm just. No. Okay. (laughs) I'm just. As far as the championships go and have having great teams, I think it's a fair comparison. 
uh, an I think interesting it's a, comparison. I think it's certainly a talking point. I was just curious because sure. you know only winning one championship with with that it really feels like they they've underachieved. It does feel like they underachieved. It feels like they underachieved to a greater degree than the Braves did. It, yeah, because they didn't even get to the cha- they didn't get to the Super Bowl. You know, three times, four times. Yeah, I Whereas, mean, at, <laughs> at least the Braves were getting into World Series, right? So. But then again, yeah. they didn't lose the Super Bowl four times either. How many Hall of Famers do the Saints have, though? Uh, right now, who knows? Um, I mean, throughout this run, though. I mean, throughout the out, run, outside of Drew Brees, I'm not sure who's the yet. constant Hall of Famer on this Saints team. Jimmy Graham, maybe he's not a Hall of Famer, but I mean, he's the constant. It, only was. recently, I guess. I mean, I, I don't. That's a good question. See, I mean, you know, you look at the Braves. I mean, look at who all was well, a part had, of that team. They had that big three, that rotation, mm-hmm. and, then, um, course, and then they had Chipper. So, uh, you know, the Saints. Fred I don't. McGriff. I don't think they have anybody outside of Drew Brees Not, to the level of those four sure. or five guys that you just talked about for the Braves. That's fair. Sure. I but still I think, think the Saints I think it's a great discussion. Oh, I don't. I don't think there's any question that they underachieved. Yeah, <laughs> and it didn't stop last night either. As Drew Brees decided to throw three interceptions, and it was just bad. They couldn't. They couldn't get me just three more points, JP. <laughs> I just needed three. That's all I needed. I really. I, what I really needed was a a fourth quarter touchdown heave to Marquez Callaway that would have won me $447 on a $10 bet. <laughs> so this isn't for entertainment purposes only then, is that it? That one wasn't, no. 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 But yeah, so the Saints lose last night to Drew to uh, to Tom Brady, and then Brady puts the icing on the cake by throwing a touchdown pass to Drew Brees' kid in the end zone after the game. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Did y'all watch the game at all? Yeah. It felt like Drew Brees looked like. Uh, if Drew Brees is not done, he's done. Well, based on that clip that you saw, you're probably. I would say you're right, but he's certainly done in New Orleans. Yeah, and he's probably done. Period. And and why not? He should be sure because his arm isn't there. Mm-mm. The arm isn't there. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, firmly planted his legacy as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and and he'll be a first ballot guy. Yeah, for everything that he's done, but um, and he's a New Orleans guy too. Now that well, he's been there, he is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he he's got, so ingratiated in that. Community. When he got there, and they were coming off Katrina, and he just brought that. He brought life to that city through its football team. And he and Sean Payton both. So I, I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, and giving last night, saying to Jameis Winston, this is your team, I, I think that was that was a big moment for Jameis. And that's, and for that's, that's interesting. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if that is actually the case. I, I, you're exactly right, because – I think they think Taysom Hill is their next quarterback, but I don't think he can play that. I don't think he can play the position at the NFL level. I I, I don't think he can either, and and I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that plays out um, all the way around. I, I really feel like Jameis Winston probably should have gotten some snaps. 
last night. More than the one touchdown throw. Um, yeah. So where he lined up at receiver. It was a good play, though. It was a great play. <laughs> it, was a great play. it was a great play in that it allowed the Saints to take advantage of receivers that could get downfield. It's a shame they didn't do it more often. I agree. Like I said, if uh, if Brian Maurer can do it, anyone can. But uh, yeah, I'm so, just I'm I'm reminded of Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. I mean, game. folks mm-hmm. that say you know go down with your ship. No, thank you. No, I'm I'm no. Yeah, I'd so rather not. Tampa Bay, thirty to twenty winners over New Orleans in uh, the divisional round. They will take on the. Uh, Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, who were 32-18 winners over the Rams on Saturday. The Bills, a 17-3 winner over the Ravens on Saturday. And then, of course, the Chiefs, a 22-17 winners over the Browns. I thought the Chiefs uh, game was was really interesting, but both Patrick Mahomes and uh, Lamar Jackson went out with injuries on uh, all over the weekend, and I'm really curious to see how that uh that injury plays in the afc championship game against the bills so we'll have to talk about more of this tomorrow and we certainly will i mean the the rest of the week you'll definitely hear some nfl chatter Um, the playoffs aren't going away and the coaching changes aren't going away so exactly right so plenty to talk about we'll continue to keep you updated again tonight a uh, couple of basketball games, uh, Lincoln County girls at Columbia Central at 5 o'clock, and then Columbia Academy boys at Providence. Uh, you can check those out and keep updated on SM underscore TN Sports on Twitter and the scores on sm-tnsports.com slash schedule. All of that on sm-tnsports.com. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. For Maurice Patton, our producer, J.P. Plant, I'm Chris Yao. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay cool, Columbia. Wait, there's more. Covering the teams you care about, it's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. And welcome into a special added bonus edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. As, as we were getting off the air on the radio show every day from 9 to 11, we essentially got, I mean, we sent you guys off to... Um, to Fox News and whatnot at 11 a.m. And as I look down at my computer and I see a tweet from uh, Pete uh, Thamel, or Tamil, I don't know how to say his name. I don't know how to say his name either, but he's with Yahoo Sports. He's with Yahoo Sports. That We should know how to say his name because he's caused us quite a bit of 
consternation today. Man, has it been crazy or not? At 11 a.m., he tweeted that the University of Tennessee had, in fact, uh, dismissed head football coach Jeremy Pruitt. It's now been confirmed by pretty much everybody at this point except the university, which is supposed to hold a press conference at uh, 2 o'clock in about an hour Mm -hmm. uh, from the time of we're recording this. I wanted to get your immediate reactions to this, guys, because, you know, obviously this is something we expected could happen, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. And so I'm just curious, I mean – is this something you expected now or? I don't know that I expected it now. I don't know that I expected it before signing day because now they are really up against it from a timing standpoint, especially with Philip Fulmer's announcement that he will step down as well or with the announcement that Philip Fulmer will step down as well as soon as a um, – successor to him in the athletic director's role is named because he felt like the new AD should be able to name the new coach. So if that's the way it's going to work, then Tennessee's got to hire an AD and they've got to hire a football coach. And the February signing date, which maybe it doesn't mean what it used to now that there's a December signing date. Certainly a little less luster, but not. it's still out there. It's still a thing. And so you've got to get an AD hired to hire a football coach in advance of the first Wednesday in February. Although I will say this, with the, with the way that things are going right now in the, in the uh, reclassification, the – kids coming back because they didn't have to they didn't lose a year of eligibility with covid and all that i think that could play a big factor in a signing class but i'm not sure anyway um jeremy Pruitt, who did you say finished with the second worst third worst third worst third worst winning percentage of any tennessee football coach since world war 1 since world war 1 wh britain Went four and five, I think was what I saw, in his only season in 1935. Derek Dooley was 15 and 21 in three seasons, and then Pruitt was 16 and 19. That's tough. That's not exactly the company that you want to be keeping as you go out the door of Neyland Stadium. Certainly not. I, I'm I'm a little surprised by the news, mostly by the timing, not by the news. Mm-hmm. Um but that it is what it is at this point. And, I mean, the names that we're already hearing, obviously Hugh Freeze is in that mix. Uh, we've heard Will Healy, which we've talked about on this show at length with the Vanderbilt coaching search, uh, Jamie Chadwell, of course, and um, a name that kind of surprised us, Scott Satterfield. Yeah, Um it's interesting. Scott Satterfield is an interesting situation, I think. What was this, his second or third year at Louisville? Uh, third? Third. I think it's his third coming from Appalachian State. But um, I think after he made his involvement in the South Carolina coaching search so public, I, I think that 
the situation at Louisville has kind of turned in a direction that it might be in his best interest to look elsewhere to to get out of there. Sure, and because at this moment, I don't think Tennessee is a better situation than Louisville. Uh, probably not. But I, I I think when both are at their peak, Tennessee is probably a better situation. But I, I think right now Scott Satterfield is just looking for a soft place to land because I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be there. If he gets through I, – I don't think that, that anything is imminent with him at Louisville. But I, I do think there's kind of a beating the posse out the door type of mentality on his part right now. Well, if there's anything we know that – Knoxville is not a soft place to land. It's an uphill battle from the start at this point. You are going to have to literally climb Rocky Top from the ground level in order to be successful at Tennessee. Tennessee fans expect to win. Um, Whether or not they should expect to win is up for debate. But they do. They expect... Excellence because they're the if you take out the Yale, the Harvard, and the Princeton, they're among the top ten in all time college football wins. And there's a lot there. I the, mean facilities, support, that type thing. I, I think there is a lot in play at UT that regardless of success or lack thereof, I, I don't I don't think that that's a place that you can't win. Are you surprised with the hiring of Kevin Steele that this happened? Or is it just insane that Kevin Steele was even hired in the middle of a, quote, hiring freeze, JP? Didn't we see this coming? That's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, you know, to the question about being surprised about this, I think this further validates that the administration – was in fact looking for a way and a cause to get rid of Pruitt so they wouldn't have to buy him out. They didn't want him there because of the pressure to win, but they didn't want to pay the buyout clause. So they obviously were looking for something. It appears that they have found something, and as they got close, it appears that they brought in somebody that could steady the waters a little bit until they could make the moves as interim because they knew that not only – are you going to have to find a new coach? But more than likely, Philip Fulmer was going to be tied to Pruitt, and therefore you've got to run through all that as well. So while they look for an AD, Steele is in. He can talk to the recruits. There is somebody that is, air quotes here, in charge of the football staff, <laughs> so to speak. Or, uh, we assume it's him. I don't know. I don't Alexander Haig, pick I up guess on line we'll, one, please. I guess we'll find out at uh, 2 Central today with the press conference sure. uh, who technically will be, but we believe that that's why Steele was hired on amidst a hiring freeze, by the way. At this point, that's what it, look, <laughs> that's what it appears to be. I mean, uh, you know, let, let's not overthink this. Yeah. Uh, they were looking for a way to get out. They didn't want him there, but they didn't want to pay the buyout. They found something. And, and as they were getting their ducks in a row to make this move, they brought in Steele so he could steady the ship until they can hire an AD and then a coach. And bring in Big Cat <laughs> with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been a lot going on in the last few days with regards to players coming and going. Like you said, the Auburn defensive lineman announced 
yesterday, wasn't it? That that he was coming to Tennessee. What is his name? I'm, his name is Big Cat. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, he wears number one, and he's a bad a big cat, man. Huh? Um, Austin Austin Pope, the tight end, had been in the transfer portal. He announced that he's going to stay. You know, there was there they was just word went on to toe toe. Yeah, they they had flown out to California, a, a entourage. I mean, Pruitt, including Steele, and, and Pruitt, Pruitt yeah. and Steele, and whoever else flew out to visit Henry Tua, 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 Tua. Thank you, Henry, Henry, Henry T. T. Henry That's T. what we Henry T. Yeah. To um to reassure him, you know, remain calm all as well. <laughs> so, and I thought that was actually in Pruitt's favor. I thought I thought that when Pruitt was interviewed on Thursday. That because he was interviewed for six to eight hours on Thursday, and then they make that trip out to California. I thought, well, clearly okay. nothing's we're, happening. We're straight, yeah. It may have been Jeremy Pruitt still trying to save the Tennessee program. Now, how wild is that? It's like the 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 rogue flight out to. <laughs> to Washington to get uh, Leach when when he got called back uh, yeah what, got what? called back I wonder if while they were out talking to Henry T if Steele didn't get him on the side somewhere and mm. say and say here's what's about to happen but again as we talked last know. week about this whole Steele Pruitt Malzahn knife and back dynamic. Uh, and if you're Jeremy Pruitt on that trip, do you let Steele out of your sight? Steele and the kid? Uh, no, I don't, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. No, you're right. Um, yeah, who knows? All I know is it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's it's a lot of fun to talk about. And as Chip would tell you that my definition of fun <laughs> isn't the same definition as others as may have. As a lot have. of other people's, yeah. But as Captain Chaos, this is fantastic. And I'm really hoping, like Archie Shea, my friend uh, from – formerly of uh, ESPN Radio down in Huntsville, uh, he said he hopes that Gus Malzahn gets hired and fires Steele. <laughs> <Which, laughs> right? Uh, That's funny. That would be, that would be funny. So, so, so Malzahn rolls into, uh, into, into Knoxville with 21 million bucks. <laughs> yeah, we can afford to not pay him. <laughs> He's an analyst. He may not see it that way. Yeah, an analyst as your head coach. I like that. He's like analyzing that. the field. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so anyway, lots to talk about, lots to digest. Tomorrow on the show, uh, we will talk with John Bryce of footballscoop.com. That will be at 10.05. You will definitely want to hear that. And in our final segment of the Tuesday show, we will give you our top five phone calls you make if you are the new athletics director at Tennessee, whomever that may be. Who are the five candidates you would call? We will be Not- forwarding these names and numbers directly to <laughs> said new AD because he needs the help. Yeah, and, and <laughs> this is not necessarily candidates who who are even mentioned or possibilities. They are Our number ones will be pie in the sky. That's what I'm telling you. They won't be even remotely 
I don't even know if they're remotely possible, but it's who they should call. So these will be in the make them tell you no category mode. It is not the projected candidates. This is who, who if you are UT yeah. and you are really serious mm-hmm. about getting this thing fixed and winning some ball games and making some trips to Atlanta, that you should explore. Even if it's a 30-second conversation. Even if it's a 30-second conversation. That's right. All right, so yes, that will be tomorrow. Definitely want to check in with us on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today on WKOM 1017 FM. And we will be on in Winchester tomorrow on the Eagle Radio. So they're going to get a lot of fun uh, in in this one. So, yes, thank you guys for tuning into this special edition of the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Yao. Maurice Patton, J.P. Plant. We'll see you tomorrow.